It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Child Development Specialist Dr. Kathy Cook is our guest where we get to ask her questions about parenting and and what to do in our very specific scenarios. Dr. Kathy Cook is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids, Inc. Like I said, she is a child development specialist. She's the author of seven best-selling parent-child enrichment books. And her latest book is called Parent Differently, Raise Kids with Biblical Character that Changes Culture. You might want to check that out. Good morning, Kathy. So good to have you on the show again. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, so I've got an easy one for you. I have a dear friend of mine whose daughter, who's a teenager, is in a same-sex relationship. And they never saw this coming, but it's it's created a lot of a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, tension in the home. This is a believing home and and they just have been trying to navigate this. And one of the things that they've decided is they're not going to force their child to go to church because it's just been too big of a battle. And I think the view of this teenager is that I don't like the God of the Bible because of the teaching on biblical sexuality. So probably some parents navigating this as well. Our culture is just, just going through this right now. So what, what, what can you say to my friend and to other friends who may be dealing with this. Right. Way to start with an easy question. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate right. That. Yeah. You um, got it. No, this is, this is relevant and that's, this is why we're here. So first of all, I want to say that I'm, I'm sad for your friend and I'm sorry for anybody listening who is in the same situation because it is stressful. It is awkward. It is probably embarrassing. Some people are probably feeling shame. I want to say to you that, you know, there might've been, to be honest with you, there might've been contributing factors in the home. And yet there's also the big, dark culture out there. And there are the schools and there are people who are believing there's nothing wrong with same-sex attraction and even same-sex marriage. So, you know, what's the big deal? So um, it is beneficial to look at cause if you can, if there are some things that are going on there. And, you know, admit to a child, hey, did I fail you in this way? Let's talk. So I'm not saying that to be harsh or judgmental, mm-hmm. but we do need to take care of our own stuff. And you did that when they were three, four, five, six, and seven. You were willing to look at yourself. So we need to do that now with these really big, you know, difficult areas. As far as church goes, if they're living with you and they're still under the authority in your home, I would love to see this girl go to church. So she doesn't want to go because she doesn't want to be reminded of her sin. And she, like you said, Perry, she doesn't like like the Bible, God of the Bible because of his stand on biblical sexuality. Doesn't matter if he likes, if she likes the God of the Bible. But again, I respect that. Maybe you listen online. Or maybe if she doesn't go to church, you re- you require, if you can, watching together some amazing TED Talk or some amazing mm-hmm. online sermon. Maybe there's a different church that, not a different biblical, a, a church that's still biblically solid, but a different church where she maybe isn't known and she mm-hmm. doesn't feel that she's being judged by a peer group or a pastor or something like that. So be open to considering that. And the most important thing, Perry, is you keep communication open. Like you keep communication open. You set up boundaries. You don't have to allow the, the girlfriend in the home. You you don't need to allow that your daughter goes out at night with this girl. You, you can set boundaries just like you have with everything in their whole life. You never let them color all day. You never let them eat every Oreo cookie. Every good parent always has boundaries. And kids know that. They're not stupid. So we say, because we love you so much, 
we can't allow for these things to happen. It's mm-hmm. our love that compels, not fear, not anger, but love. And I think that if you keep communication open, and by the way, you don't always talk about this, this big billboard that she's wearing when she comes home from school, I'm gay. No, there's all the other things. She's still creative. She's still artistic. She's still good at math. She still is a fabulous soccer player. She still plays the oboe really well. She still is frustrated by spelling because the English language doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You need to keep talking about the whole of who she is so that she's aware that that's not the only issue that you see. I'm going to say one more thing. If you believe it's sin because you believe in the Bible, the holy word of God, it is sin according to Scripture. If you act on it, it's sinful. So are many, 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 many other things. And what the gay and lesbian community gets really angry at is that we tend to, we, the evangelical church, tends to put them on display as the worst of the worst. That's not biblical. Mm. And this daughter needs to know that mom and dad are aware of their faults and their sin and where they fall short. And yeah, so let me leave it at that period. Follow up if you want. But again, my heart breaks for the, the difficult situation. Don't give up. Don't give up. She can come back. Dr. Kathy, this is a really tough month to be struggling financially. And I know there's someone listening right now that is struggling financially and they've pulled together their money for some gifts for their children this year for Christmas. And we get to Christmas Day, the kids open up the gifts and it's not what they wanted. They're not happy with them. They throw a little bit of a fit. What should a parent do in that situation? Way to ask another easy question, Ben. Um, (laughs) So ideally, we're realistic with them this month. And we're realistic, meaning that when we're in the stores, we explain we can't have everything. We don't buy every candy cane. We don't buy every gift for them, ourselves, or others. And we keep teaching. we got to teach financial literacy. We have to explain Mm -hmm. to them. We can show them, seriously, you guys, we can show them our online banking website and show them and then explain that that doll would have been, you know, this much money. So teaching and explaining is way better than yelling and telling. Mm. And you'd be surprised at how kids can appreciate wisdom and instruction. And I think, again, the scripture would teach us to wisely instruct and not just, you know, tell and yell, obviously. I also would love to encourage people to do homemade gifts and start that tradition young and get kids excited about the homemade gift and Mm. get kids excited about giving. One of my own nieces gets more excited. Now she's an adult now, but more excited about giving than getting. She is all into watching us open what she's chosen for us. And then when we choose something for her, she's appreciative and excited. But put the joy on the other on the other side of the table, if you will. And I think that can really be a blessing. And if all that doesn't work, then you hug them, you hug them, and you hug them. And you appreciate their tears. And you say, sweetheart, I know you wanted more. We're just not able. We love you. We're just not able. Be honest. Jim says, I'm giving Dr. Kathy's book, Parenting Differently, for Christmas to the parents of my grandchildren. How do I give it to them without making them feel like I think they're failures at being parents? Great question. And thank you so much for wanting to give my book. That's encouraging. Yeah. I think you tell I think you tell your kids that um, you parented them well because of resources that were available to you. And there were Mm. books you read, radio shows you listened to, and you came across this resource. And because you love them and the grandkids so much, you believe that they'll benefit from the resource that biblical character matters to you as a grandfather. So admit that you needed help and there's nothing wrong with needing help. So yeah, thanks for wanting to do that. They'll receive it if you 
are in a good relationship with them. And I bet you are, or you wouldn't have bought the book. There you go. (laughs) That's a good word. Got another question for you. Recently, we started fostering care and the foster kids are older than my oldest son. So my son is lamenting the fact that he isn't the oldest anymore and he's acting out. He's 10 years old. How do I assure him of his status as my firstborn? Well, thanks for fostering. Thank you for doing that. And I'm proud of you for being aware of why your son is acting out. That's precious to me that you are that alert to your kids. Um, One-on-one time is going to be a key for you. So, you know, daddy and, you know, donuts and mom and muffins or whatever, just one-on-one time with the Mm -hmm. son will be wise. And then if he enjoyed being the older brother to other kids, if there are other kids below his age, and I'm assuming there are, if he was the oldest, then, you know, make sure that he still has responsibility with those littles. And then it's not that the foster kids take over Mm -hmm. his responsibility because maybe he's lamenting, the power that he had in a really good way or the position and the influence that he had over the little ones. So I think buying a game, I talked about buying a game that maybe the older brother can play with the littles, making sure that he still has a position of power and influence over the littles, which is what he might be lamenting the loss of. And I mean that in a positive, influential way. And then just believe that he will adjust. He'll start to love the fosters. He'll start to see that he maybe enjoys being the middle kid. Give him time. one for you, Dr. Kathy. This is a good one. I don't think this touches all of us. There are so many technology options today that weren't available even 10 years ago. How do we best raise our children developmentally, socially, and emotionally in light of all the technological advancements, good and bad? I do appreciate that question. Um, We have to get off of our devices. The first thing I'll say is they're watching us. Kids tell me all the time, I'm not going to talk to my mom about a tough stuff a tough issue if she's on her phone because mm. she'll be distracted and I'm not going to start over. So mm. to raise them developmentally appropriately, emotionally, spiritually, and everything else, get off your device, put it in another room, put it on airport, airplane mode so it doesn't even vibrate. Um, go for a walk, kick the ball in the park, um, get out of the house. Uh, just try really, really hard. Leave alternatives visible. We are addicted to the tools. So leave the board games and the Sudoku books mm. and the coloring books and the jigsaw puzzles and the footballs visible so that when you come in from running errands or whatever, you're not immediately going to go and turn on a device and see what's up with that. So be a really good role model, offer them input and teach them about emotional strength. Use the scripture to do so. Teach them about intellectual wisdom. Technology causes us to be satisfied with information and sound bites, but that's not of the Lord. God is wisdom. He calls us to seek him. You're not going to find him if you ask Siri the deep questions of life. So uh, I could talk forever about that. I wrote a book on that called Screens and Teens. Uh, Just be alert, and I appreciate the question. How soon should a kid get a phone in in your They They get a phone when they need a phone and not until they need a phone. And you need to decide about that. Like we were were all biking and driving without phones. So this idea that you have to have a phone is, is a lie from the devil, perhaps. You can borrow a phone. You can have a sibling phone, and they sign it out if they need it for a particular reason. Mm. They don't need a phone. Ooh, I like that. And it, it works. So, Shawnee, if, if your daughter's going to babysit, she needs a phone because there's no landline. Your son's going to maybe go on a unique trip. He maybe will feel more secure with having a phone. So one phone that the siblings borrow, they sign it out. It's a privilege. And Perry, if you pay for it, it's not the kid's phone. So you don't say, here's your phone. You pay for it. It's just, here's a phone I have purchased for you to use. And you'll get to use it if you are responsible. 
and you continue to be parented well. Yeah. We could talk again for hours, but good question. Even if you say this is a gift, this phone's a gift, it's still mine? Yeah, I think You're so. You're paying for it monthly. You, <laughs> I'm sorry? Because you pay for it monthly. It's not just like a one and done. Yeah. Yeah, it gives period gives the parent power to take it away more easily. And the kid, um, no, they need to prove that they're responsible. Um, they get a phone when they are responsible, when they can handle the um, requirements that go along with it. So phones cause us to be entitled and irritated mm-hmm. and argumentative and prideful and self-centered. If your kid is already that, they don't get a phone because it's only going to amplify it. Mm-hmm. And if you loan a child your phone for a purpose that you think is legit, and you begin to see their character going south, you take the phone away. We love you so much. We cannot let this device change your heart. Mm-hmm. That's a reason I wrote Parent Differently, Raise Your Kids with Biblical Character, because the phone is not raising kids with biblical character. We must do it. All right, Dr. Kathy Cook, parenting expert. Here's another one for you. My granddaughter is having a hard time getting her two-year-old to eat. As a result, she's offering different things all day long. I think she feels like she's a bad parent because he's not eating. Uh, oh, my heart goes out to the situation. She's not a bad parent. Um, talk to the pediatrician. I mean, sometimes there's sensory issues with foods and the tongue. Sometimes there are health issues. So make sure that the pediatrician knows that the child's hard to, hard to feed. And I would say three meal times in the you know booster seat at you know 8 a.m. noon and 5 p.m. or whatever. And this is when we eat. And then maybe there's a snack halfway in between, but you can't, you can't graze. You're not a cow. You can't graze on the field, if you will. Um, there needs to be a set time and there needs to be a responsibility. And you work at it just like you parent, you work at everything else. Ask other moms what they're finding, you know, works well, but start with a pediatrician. You know those moments when you just suddenly become aware that God is doing something? I mean, one moment you're just, it's a normal day, you're in a normal conversation with someone, and all of a sudden you realize you've kind of slipped into this holy space, and you're like, wait a minute, the Lord is here, Mm. and he's doing something right now. I had a couple of moments like this over the weekend, and one of them just happened yesterday. I was with a group of friends, some new friends, some old friends, and one of the, we were all talking about understanding the Bible, reading scripture and understanding the Bible. And one of my new friends was sharing that she's got this desire to understand the Bible, but she doesn't know a lot about it. And she said, when I come to church, um, the church that she goes to, she said, I just, sometimes I feel stupid because I don't know things. And I feel like it's assumed from the platform that I know these things. And she Mm -hmm. said, I don't want to be preached at. I want to be taught. Mm. And it just, isn't that so good? Good. I just want to be taught. I want to learn. And I was realizing as this conversation started to unfold that I was on holy ground and that God was present with us and he was doing something. And I, so there's the, the horizontal conversation that's happening between us, one another. But I start this conversation with the Lord. God, I recognize that you're here right now and this is beautiful. And, and I, I will be quiet if you want me to be quiet. I will speak if you want me to speak. But I recognize this is holy ground and, and that you're doing something beautiful. Yeah, I'm excited about the rest of this story. I know. So I just listened. <laughs> I just listened as 
you know, friends of mine, old friends, started talking individually about their own journey of coming alive to Scripture and understanding it and of how not very long ago they were in the same place as this new friend who was expressing this desire to learn and and tools that were helpful to them and practices that they started to engage in and how that all started to shift and change for them and how scripture has come alive for them and has resulted in this intimate relationship with the Lord and how mm. now they're hungry for it. And they've got this appetite for scripture. And it was just, I'm just listening and I'm like, God, this is awesome. This is awesome. Was Handel's Messiah playing? Hallelujah. <laughs> it might as Hallelujah. well have been. It might as well have been, but the whole time I'm just, I'm praying and I'm praising. I'm thanking God for the work that he has done. It was it was very much like a time of testimony of this is what God has done for me. And this is what God has done for me. And this is what God has done for me. And if he's done it for me, he'll do it for you. And there was some real honesty and authenticity and we... I think our love for each other expanded as we had this conversation. It was just a beautiful thing. And God did invite me to be a part of the conversation. I got to share the ways that I've learned from scripture and how God has shaped my life. And basically I ended up sharing about how when I'm reading the Bible and something about me, something about what I believe contradicts what I'm reading how I'm forced to make a decision in that moment Mm. that either what I'm feeling is valid and true and I'm going to lean into that or what God says about me is true and I'm going to lean into that. I specifically just shared about how I just have struggled with insecurity my entire life and how there are a lot of times when I'm reading through scripture and, and the word of God says that I'm valued, that I'm precious, that I'm seen, that I'm known, that I'm loved and everything inside of me feels invisible and devalued and walked on and not important that I have to choose that God, you've said it so many times, Perry, that God does not lie. He cannot lie because of the nature of who he is. So if he says that he loves me, that he hears me, that he sees me, that he cares, then the stuff that I'm feeling has got to bow to the lordship of the truth of Scripture. Yeah. Did anybody in the group, like maybe some of the people who were newer, say, I can't believe you struggle with that, Shauna? No, I think they really resonated with it. I mean, I think that, well, one person in the group just immediately got emotional as I was sharing this. Mm-hmm. And I think there were you know, some people in the group that wanted to rescue her from being uncomfortable from her emotions. And so quickly, you know, just we, they kept talking, but talking about started kind of taking the conversation in a different direction. And, and I listened, I didn't interrupt anybody. But when I got a chance again, I just said, you know what, oftentimes when the Lord is doing something inside of me, it shows up with emotions kind of welling up in me. And I noticed a minute ago that you were getting emotional. Maybe God was doing something there. Do you want to talk about what you were feeling in that moment? Mm-hmm. when you started to get teary, you know, so you kind of just brought it back to that. And nice. God was just doing something really cool. Yeah. Yeah. In our group and in, in someone's life. And I was reminded of a conversation we had with Jean Watson. I think it was on Friday. Was she here on Friday? Yeah. She shared a quote and she just said, isn't it just an absolute honor to just hold the master's coat and watch him work? Yeah. That's what was going on. 
God was doing something and we just got to we just got to watch it happen. It is such a privilege to hold the master's coat and watch him work. And I'm just curious this Christmas season, who is it in your life that is hungry for Jesus that is living in darkness and needs to experience the light? Mm-hmm. There's a passage in um John John 1, 6 through 12. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John's job was not to be the light. John's job was just to show others the light. Oh, you're looking for light? It's His name is Jesus. And you and I get to do the same thing. Who needs to see the light of Jesus this Christmas? You could invite them to a Christmas Eve service. You could tell them about the hope that you have in Jesus this Christmas. It is a privilege to hold the master's coat and to watch him work. I'm not who I used to be. I used to be an enemy of God. If you'd have seen me when I was an enemy of God, you wouldn't have thought, oh, there's an enemy of God. Mm. But then again, if you could have seen some of my worst sins, then you probably would have said, oh, yeah, there's an enemy of God. That's a big time sinner. But I'm not who I used to be because something happened to me. I have been crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. Come on. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ means means foremost that through my faith in Jesus, the condemnation and judgment I deserve for being an enemy of God fell on Christ and not on me. I'm not who I used to be because I used to be an enemy of God, but now God calls me his friend. And if you can think of anything better than that, you're going to have to tell me because I can't. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> Come on. That's good. You know, and in and Galatians, you know, I geek out on Galatians 2.20. It's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite verses. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. It's the yeah. great trade. Yes, 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 yes. And now I've been given a new power. This is what you're getting at, Shauna. Not to live for myself. And what I selfishly desire and mm-hmm. what I pridefully desire, but to let Christ live his life of love through me. I have a new power giving me a new capacity to love. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not where I want to be. I keep striving and leaning. Striving's a wrong word. I keep pressing toward, you know, being more like Christ as he helps me become more like Christ. But I do. I do have a new capacity to love that I never had before. Yeah. Yeah. It, it. <sighs> <laughs> what do we got? I have so many thoughts in all my minds. <laughs> 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 yeah. We are, we're really good at loving ourselves, not really good at loving other people. Mm. And when we live, when we die to self... That's the whole beautiful thing of accepting the life of Jesus and what he's done for us is that 
we die to self and that needs to happen mm-hmm. in order to be able to love other people. And and when God comes and lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, we have the capacity to not love from who we are or what we've experienced, but to supernaturally, not yeah. naturally, but it's like supernaturally by the power of God in us, love other people and not just people that we like. Right. We have the capacity to love people who betray us, mm-hmm. who spit on us, who talk bad about us behind our back. Like this is not natural. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our worst enemy is ourselves. We can't love ourselves. We yeah. can't forgive ourselves. And God has given me a capacity to do that, you know, to love myself, to forgive myself in the sense that I accept that God loves me. And, you know, so it, it, it definitely works into my relationships. That's huge. You know, that's really what the Bible is getting after. But if you don't love yourself, if you can't forgive yourself because you're crucified with Christ, the Lord can give you the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that the more this truth of Christ loving me and dying for me when I was his enemy, the more this truth goes into me the more Christ is living through me. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 (laughs) Yes. It's yes. It's so good. So I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith Mm -hmm. in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. And gives me the capacity to love other people the way that he loves other people. That's beyond my control. It's, it comes by way of death to self and surrender. Mm-hmm. We always think, I always think, I got to somehow try harder, muscle it up, press into it. Yes, but what we're pressing into is surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, surrender to having been crucified with Christ. It's past tense. I have been right. crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm not who I used to be. I used to be an enemy of God. Now I'm a friend of God. If you've trusted Christ, you're not who you used to be. That old person is dead. And Christ is now living in you. And today he's going to live through you. So just watch. Watch it. Watch it happen. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show. Barry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.